0: Hebrews chapter 11. Father, for the next few moments here this morning, I ask you to just use me as a mouthpiece for the Holy Ghost. Give us, O God, the spiritual ears to hear your voice in this word today, and the spiritual eyes to see the path as you lay it out before us. Lord, give us the godly wisdom that we need to walk in that path, and we thank you and we praise you for it. Everybody said in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. This is Hebrews 11. What is it all about? Part 2. Amen. Now, as we talked the other day, where Abraham, the Bible says in verse 9, he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. So, Here, Abraham, even though he was in the land that God promised to him, he dwelt there as a stranger in the land, as a stranger in that country. Why? Because verse 10 tells tells us that he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. So the Lord had prepared his mind when he told him to go to a place that he would take him, amen, into a foreign country, he was going to a place that was prepared for him of God. So until he got to a place that was established and founded by God, in other words, the foundation of the very one whom he stood for had already come and conquered the land and had established it for himself, he was still a stranger in it. To him, he had not arrived yet because God was leading him and he was going to a place that belonged to the Lord, praise God. So when he got there and there were strangers in the land, that couldn't be the place because he was looking for a city that had foundations, the foundations of God. Listen, folks, it doesn't matter where you go in this life, if it's not founded by God, if the foundation there is not of the God we serve, that's not, that place is not for us. That's not for us. Amen. So it don't matter how good it looks, it doesn't matter what a wonderful place it is, doesn't matter, may not be, you know, it may be a place that at some point will be yours. But as long as God is not the foundation thereof, It's not for us. If God, the God we serve, ain't welcome there, I'm not welcome there. The God I serve ain't welcome there. I ain't going there. Period. So the Bible says he looked for a city with foundations whose builder and maker is God. Verse 11 says, Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age. Why? Because she judged him faithful who had promised. We all know the story. When Sarah was told she was going to have a child, she laughed. Abraham did too. That's funny. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm 90 years old. Yeah, that's going to happen. Yeah, but you know what? She judged him faithful that promised, and she delivered a child. Verse 12 says, Therefore sprang there even of one, and him as good as dead. Who's that talking about? Abraham, there sprang there even of one, and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. Amen. Brother Edward, Genesis 21, 5. Abraham was a hundred years old when Isaac was born. A hundred years old. Brother Edward, Genesis 21, 5. Hundred years old. The Bible said in him as good as dead. I mean, a hundred years old, man, you know, your child rearing days are pretty well over. Pretty well behind you. Now, and there sprang of him even, even of one. So many as the stars of the sky and multitude and as the sand which is by the seashore and That's exactly what the Lord told him was going to happen. We are the children of Abraham. Amen. We're grafted in, praise God, to that lineage. These all died in faith. They all died in faith. All those people had died in faith, not having received the promises but having seen them afar off. They didn't receive the promise, but they saw those promises afar off. And embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. Amen. Notice... They didn't receive the promises. They didn't get to go into that promised land, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them, the things that God had promised, they were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. They didn't see all the things even that we see today. They didn't see Jesus come and shed His blood. They didn't see the promises and the things that that God had promised and told them that there would be. But they counted Him faithful that promised it. And they plainly declared, Hey man, we're going to a promised land. This ain't it. We're going to a land that's promised for us whose foundation is God. Amen. That's where we're going. That's where I'm going. That's my home. That's what I'm heading for. Amen. And they declared that we are strangers. Amen. We are strangers in this land. Amen. They say, they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. They seek a country. I'm seeking a place. It ain't this one. I'm seeking a place. I'm seeking a place where the flowers sing. I'm seeking a place, and you know what? I know it's all great, fine, well, and good that the streets are paved with pure gold, and foundations are made of the whole foundation made of solid uh, uh, jasper and all these different stones, all these precious gems and stones, and all that kind of stuff. And I know that the the buildings are are, are are alive and all the things there. I believe that. I I believe that with all my heart. But you know what? And the gates are all cut of one pearl each one. Twelve gates. But that doesn't. That's not impressive to me. Now I'm gonna want to look at it. And if I if I make it, I'm gonna want to look at it and see it. Because I mean, I I you know I do, uh, I do build stuff. So I I I do want to see you know hey how you did all that. And it's going to be spectacular, no doubt. A lot of things I'd like to know if I don't know them when I get there. But I just want to be there. It wouldn't matter to me if it was in the middle of the woods somewhere. Just let me be with Jesus and let me be out of all this mess here in this life. Let me be out of all this wickedness. Let me never have another temptation in my life. Temptation means a lot of things. Sometimes tempted to say the wrong thing or have the wrong attitude or do the wrong thing. All those are temptations. Lord, I don't want no more temptation. I just I don't want to have to think about nothing but you, Lord. All I want to think about is you. All I want to think about is I'm home. (laughs) Amen. I'm home. I'm with Jesus. And wherever he goes from this point forward, I'm going to be right with him, right beside him. Right wherever he goes, I'm going to be right there with him. Praise God. I'm not going to have to worry about what the government decides to do tomorrow. I'm not going to have to worry about prison camps and all that kind of stuff. I'm not going to have to worry about bills. I'm not going to have to worry about any kind of stuff like that. I'm not going to have to worry about uh, uh, supplying food on my table and all that kind of stuff. All that's going to be over with. All that's going to be behind me. I just want to be with Him. Praise God. I want to be out from under the tyranny that we live in now. Listen to what it said next. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. They could have returned. They could have went back and visited. They weren't that far. It was across the desert that had no roads in it at that time. But they could have, it wasn't that far, they could have made that journey just like they made the journey to where they were, just like they made the journey to Canaan. They could have went back across. But they put it behind them and they left it behind them. Never read anything about him going back to his homeland. When the Lord told him to pack his stuff and get ready to go and just go, he left all that behind him. He didn't go back to it. He was an example of leaving it behind you, man, and and not going back to it, not looking back. There ain't nothing behind you that you need to hold on to. There ain't nothing back there that that it didn't do you no good then. It ain't going to do you no good now. But now, everybody say, but now. They desire a better country. That is an heavenly a heavenly country. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he hath prepared for them a city whose builder and maker is God. The foundation of it is God. Brother ever give me Psalms 127 and 1. It don't matter how how you see it. Doesn't matter how you receive it. Doesn't matter how you how you like it or dislike it. If God did not build the house, it ain't gonna make it. Read that again. See that? Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. All these big, fancy buildings that these people go up. Some, I mean, I've seen it take years sometimes to build. That church over there on the big building over on the uh, on the Beltway up there, I don't know how many millions of dollars. It's millions and millions, tens of millions that they spent on that thing. It had to be just the addition that they put on this thing. But it took several years for them to build that. All that's in vain if it ain't lined up with God. If God didn't build it, it's in vain. But you know what? There's some little old hole in the wall of churches that's going to stand all the way to glory. There's little groups of people meeting probably right now in the midst of China somewhere underground. That's going to stand. But all these things that's built on the wrong foundation, it's going to fall. Not going to stand. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. Here's the son of promise. Here's the son of promise. Let me tell you something, folks. Don't ever think that you're not going to be tried. Don't ever think that you're you're beyond that, and, and God's not going to try you. I made a mistake one time. I had a fella ask me one time. Brother Bain asked me one time. He said, Brother Hoffman, have you been through the fire? And I said, whoo, yeah, man. Oh, yeah. Yes, I have. Man, I have been through the fire. He said, well, that's good. Because you're going to go through the fire. You can't go through the fire. You can't make it. I had no idea what fire was at that time. And I wouldn't even declare now that I've been through the fire because, you know what, I made that mistake once. I'm not going to make that same mistake again. But I'm going to tell you, buddy, (laughs) I can tell you of a fact I didn't know then what fire was. I sure hope that I know what fire is now. But I'm not going to make the mistake of saying, oh, yes, again. Yeah. Yeah. The Lord told him You need to take your only son the one that the, the, the son of promise and go offer him go and offer him up on a mountain that I will show you. Now I'm gonna tell you something. You wait all your life a hundred years for a son. And now, the very one give him to you. So you go kill him. I want you to go offer him up, kill him, offer him up to me for a sacrifice. Now, you know, America right there will be trying to get their hands on Jesus to go ahead and hang him back on that cross again. How dare you come and ask for him back? You're an Indian giver. We don't hold to that kind of activity here. I never read anything about Abraham even balking at it. Never batted an eyelash. Now, you know that had to have been hard for him to do, but was it? How hard is it for you to make those hard choices? Is it hard for you? Is it hard for you to make those decisions? When God asks you to turn loose of something, is it hard? Is it hard for you to do it? We can learn something from Abraham right here today. We can learn a very valuable lesson from from wise Abraham here today, the father of faith. We can learn something very valuable right here today. Let's go further. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried... See, remember, when God asks something of you, it's a trial. He's trying you to see what you're going to do. How you meet that trial is going to determine what happens next. When he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Now, here's God who said that. Isn't that right? God told him, in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Isaac's the one that's going to carry on your lineage. So what did God do? Did God change his mind? Never mind. Never mind. I've changed my mind now. I want you to go on and just offer him up. Give me, his... you know, he had just enough time to really fall in love with Isaac. That was his son of promise. That is his son of promise. Amen. So, how is it? How is it that now all of a sudden he's going to kill him? But listen to what listen to what the Bible said. Of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Verse nineteen gives the Paul Harvey on it. Accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. You understand that? God didn't go into it scared to death. I mean, Abraham didn't go into it scared to death. Everybody says, oh my goodness, Abraham was a, must have been scared to death. He must, have been, he must have been just worried to death about it. Abraham wasn't worried about it. Why? Because... Him even having Isaac proved there's a God. Him even having... Sarah's womb was dead. She couldn't have children. Even when she was able to have children, she couldn't have children. Now, at 90 years old, here comes God and says, Your womb's going to work. I'm going to open your womb up, and I'm going to make you fertile again. And you are gonna have a child of your old age and he's gonna be the heir. He's gonna be your heir and his seed, his seed is gonna be as the numbers of the sand on the seashore and the stars in the sky. And I'm gonna bless all the nations of the world because of him. That was a miracle right there. He'd already seen that God was a miracle-working God. So in his mind, he he didn't have the hang-ups we have. That's why he's called the father of faith. He did not have in him... See, faith begets faith. When that first miracle came about, but it made a believer out of him. When Isaac... Came forth from a ninety-year-old woman and a hundred-year-old man, that was miracle enough for him. He said, "Man, I believe you. Now. I believe you. <laughs> you're God. I'm a believer, absolutely a believer." So when the Lord said, "Go offer him up," well, in his mind, he didn't think like we did. Well, gosh, what's going on, Lord? I don't, I don't like it. I don't mean, you're my only son. Why would you do such a thing? In his mind, the first thing he thought of, okay, I'm gonna kill him. I'll go ahead and kill him because listen, you brought him back from the dead already once because I was dead and my wife's womb was dead. You brought him back from the dead already. You brought him out of the dead. So I know you've already made the statement that in him shall my seed be. So it's a no brainer for me. I'm going to go, I'm going to offer him up. Because I know you're able to even bring him back from the grave. You've already brought him back from the dead once. You brought him out of the dead once. Let me tell you something. When God tells you to let go of something, amen, quit trying to hold on to it. Because when you do that, you're killing yourself. You're not passing that test. You're failing that test. He could have failed that test. When God said, let go of that, turn that loose, follow my word, quit looking at your understanding, Look at my understanding. You don't need to know why I'm asking you to do it. I just said do it. Do it. That's it. Abraham never questioned him. Abraham, what did he say when Isaac said, "Hmm, now here's a child?" Using the uh, uh using the method of deduction. Uh Listen, dad, um Huh. Uh, uh the fire I see. You know I mean, we got the we got the wood. I got the big lighter. And uh did we uh, see huh, did did we forget something? Seemed like we ought what else what could it possibly be? seemed like ought to be something else here. What am I missing here? Um let's see, fire wood. Isn't there supposed to be like a sacrifice or something? What did the Lord tell him? God will provide. God will provide. Amen. Abraham already knew. Abraham knew God was an on-time God. Abraham knew. It don't matter what I think. It don't matter. Man's laws does not apply. The laws of death and life do not apply here. The laws of logic do not apply here. He is a supernatural God who is able to do exceeding, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Praise God. I don't need to know how He's going to do it. Honey, I just know He is going to do it. Praise God. Because said He will, praise God. It don't matter if His seed springs up from the grave, honey. It don't matter if I live long enough to see it. God said it. That's It. That's exactly how it's going to be. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. We live in a land of logic. And we're always trying to figure out how something's going to happen and how this is going to be and what are you going to do? How are you going to do this, God? God does not want us to understand some things. It would eliminate faith completely. And the Bible says without faith, it is impossible. It is impossible to please Him. See, you must first, before you can come to Him, believe that He is. He is the I Am. And that He's a reward of them that diligently seek Him. Not you. Him. We need to be seeking to please Him. Seeking His Word, not our own. Do you understand, Sister Rosie? Do you understand that part now? That you didn't understand a moment ago? Okay. Okay. See, he understood that it doesn't matter. God already made the declaration in Isaac, your seed shall be. So it didn't matter whether he was in the grave or not. God was going to achieve what he said he would. That's all Abraham needed to know. He'd already heard from God face to face. Wasn't well, no big deal if God wanted to take it through the grave. He didn't tell him how he was going to bring it about. Maybe he's going to bring his seed back from the grave. Who knows? Whatever. He just knew. God already told me my seed's going to prevail. Amen. As the sand of the seashore, as the stars in the sky, innumerable. Amen. That's all he needed to know. He didn't even need to know if he'd ever live to see any of his sons, any of his grandkids. He didn't need to know all that. He just knew it was going to happen because God declared it. Amen. That's all he was concerned with. Now, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a a figure, he'd already received him that way once. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. Isaac blessed both Jacob and Esau. Kind of a tricky little situation there. Esau was not happy about that, but God chooses who he chooses, and that's all there is to it. And uh, I'm sure that Esau did not understand it. But the Bible declares that he loved Jacob and hated Esau. See? So, I want you to understand something. God set our boundaries. And He brought us from the bloodline that we're going to be brought from. That's, that's His doing. The Bible said that. He set the boundaries. He set where we were going to be born, how we were going to be born, to who we were going to be born. He said all that. He formed us in the womb. He, he said also that, Jacob, I have formed thee in the womb. When I formed thee in, in the womb, praise God. Church, God forms us in the womb. Let me ask you a question. Do you think all of a sudden one day God just was sitting up in heaven thinking, hmm, I probably could use that guy Saul. I could probably use him. Go check and see what he's doing today, Gabriel, and see if, see if I might could use him. You think that's how it went down? You think choosing Saul of Tarsus to become Paul, the apostle, was happenstance? You think he just kind of was winging it as he went? Or do you think Paul was in the score from a million years before the world was formed? Paul was chosen. He said, I have chosen him. Amen. Paul was chosen before he was ever even a thought. Amen. God has a timing. Praise God. And there came a time, amen, when it was time, when the time was fully come for Paul to become an apostle, amen, and become the greatest apostle that ever lived, and he also became the most persecuted of all that ever lived in that time. Because the higher you go up the ladder, the more you're going to have to pay to get there and stay there. To whom much is given shall much be requited. Let me tell you something, folks. None of this comes without a battle. None of it comes without a battle. Jesus had to fight to his last breath for something we did. Why did he do that? Why did he do that? He did that by, so he could do it by example and show you this is how you do it. This is how you're going to have to do it. Notice, I didn't want that cup either. But that's how it had to be done. I had to willingly lay my life down. They couldn't take it from me. I had to give it. Notice. Notice. Nothing was forced. Jesus willingly laid his life down. Nobody forced Jesus to do it. It's the same way with people. That's why I tell you, don't bring them in here kicking and screaming. If they don't want to be here, please, dear God, don't bring them. I don't want them. Yeah, I don't want them in here. It's nothing but dead weight to me. It's nothing but a thorn in my side if you do that in here. Because all I'm going to do is sit and look at somebody going, You know, that's what they do. They sit there and they make their little snide remarks under their breath like nobody can hear it and they know everybody hears it. Just makes it a joy to preach to them, you know. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, well, when he was a dying country boy, bless both the sons of Joseph and uh, Joseph and worshiped leaning upon the top of his staff amen by faith Joseph when he died made mention of the departing the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones brother Edward, give me genesis 50 25 and 26 Amen. Because he was going to be carried away at some point in the future. And he said, "Hey, God's going to deliver you out of this land. And when they do, when He does, take me with you. I don't want my bones buried in Egypt. I want them to go with the people of God. God had already let him know I'm on, I'm taking them out of Egypt, and I want my bones taken with you when you go." Amen. And so, praise God by faith. Joseph made them give, uh, made them give an oath. Amen. Now. 23, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents. Who had the faith? Who had the faith? His parents. Three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. How did they see he was a proper child? How How could that have happened? God spoke to his parents. They understood. They understood. This one's special. Amen. I never knew this when I was coming up as a child. I knew I had a I knew I had an anointing one time in my life. When I woke up in the middle of the night, never walked in my sleep in my life, but I woke up in the middle of the night, and I was in my back pasture at my house, and we lived on a pretty good-sized place, and I was probably five, six years old. And I woke up out in the back pasture. must have been 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, standing out there by myself. And I came to and woke up, and it was a full moon. It was like daylight outside, you know. But I was out there by myself. And I could feel God standing there with me. I knew He was right there with me. I knew I was in the presence of the Lord. I'll never forget it. And I I don't know to this day what all transpired there. But I know He touched me that day. Because He... He profoundly put it in my mind that He was right there with me. I could feel His presence all over me. And one time after I was grown, my mother, who I was blessed enough to be her pastor in the past, last years of her life, she was the one that got us in Pentecost. She was a Pentecostal when she was young, and, and, uh, and she got back in it after we were coming up as kids and she was absolutely on fire for God and you know I mean she was she was she lived her life for God I mean but there was nothing else in her life but God and she told me one time she said uh after she started coming to my church this church she said uh you know, she said, I, I knew that God had His hand on your life. I was wondering why she never gave up on me. Everybody else seemed to, but she didn't. And she said, I knew. She said, I knew God had His hand on your life. She said, I prayed for you all the time. I could hear her praying for me, specifically for me. I could be all the way down to the barn. And I mean, it was a long way to the barn at our place. And I could hear her crying out to God at the top of her lungs. Man, that woman prayed fervently. Oh, God, keep your hands on Travis. Oh, God, don't ever let him go. Don't let him destroy himself, God. Keep your hands on him, Lord. Hold him fast, and God has always held me fast. And I'll tell you, church, she said, you know, she said, I knew God had his hand on you. One night I was reading over in the book of Job. And she said, I'd been reading there. And she said, I got up the next morning. I had underlined some scriptures in my Bible over the book of Job. And I got up to come get you up for school the next morning. And she said, on your nightstand. I was a little bitty fella. But I learned how to read. My sister was older than me, so she taught me by the time I got through first grade, man. I was I could read that Bible just like a just like I can now. And uh she said, I went in there, and on your nightstand, that book was open. The Bible's open, the book of Job, and you had the exact scriptures underlined that I underlined. And she said, I knew you was in the same wavelength I was. She said, I knew God spoke to me right then and said, He's mine. He's mine. ha <laughs> Oh yeah, Mama Shikana. Oh my God, all the things that I went through from that day forward and all the things that I've done in my life, and I just I just look back to that and it just you know it just you just kinda of wonder how in the world, how in the world could God have had his hand on me and had me chosen for this job all that time, all that all those many years ago. And still I I did the the things I've done in my life. And, And you stop and you think about somebody like Paul the Apostle. He was the same way. He was on his way to go kill some more Christians when Jesus stopped him. and said, it's time to change sides, son. Time's up. It's time to get busy. You working for me now. But see, Paul had to make that choice. He had to choose Him. I chose God too. I chose God one night over alcohol. I chose Him over the way I was living. I made a choice to choose God. And I had come to the end. I said, God, I don't want no more of this life. I don't want no more of this life. This is all there is. I don't want no more of it. And God asked me, said you through. I said, I'm done with it. He said, Are you sure? Are you sure you're done with this mess right here? I said, God, you're you're God. You know that I'm telling you absolutely from the depth of my heart, I've had all this I ever want. I don't want another drop of alcohol in my life. I'm done with it. So, God, you either cure me or kill me. It don't matter to me. Either way, I don't want another one. If I wake up in hell the next, the next minute, so be it. I'd rather have hell than to live on this earth and live like this. I had money. I had everything I wanted. But I didn't have what I needed. And I didn't have what I truly, truly wanted. I didn't even know what it was at that time. God said, okay. I said, you choose. It don't matter to me. I just don't want to wake up tomorrow and have another drink in my life. And He said, all right. I'll let you know my choice. The rest is history. God had His hand on my life all the way back then. And He's still building me on this rock. He's still building me on this rock every day. Every day there's more. Every day there's something new. Every day there's another walk in this faith. Every day there's another faith walk. As we get closer to home, the heat just gets hotter. None of this stuff's by happenstance. Neither are you. God had you planned for this particular body right here before you ever came about. Listen, folks. It took everybody in this Bible. To get us where we are today. As a side note, right here, church, do you think Rahab the harlot made a difference in the, in, in the Bible? Of course she did. Of course she did. Or she wouldn't be in it. She's in it for an example. As I've said before, when we did the series and did the, when we did the, the, the sermons on Job, people don't understand how important that was that he went through what he went through. Well, God, why do you have me here instead of over here? God, why am I in this position and not that position? God, why is this over here and why is that one there and this one here and I'm here and they're there? We don't need to be worried about all that kind of stuff. Because, listen, when the body goes in, if we're in the body, we're going in. Praise God. But if you kick against the pricks, amen, you cannot be a part of the body. Paul. I've heard so many people say how they want to be Paul. I want to be like Paul. Oh, no, you don't. Oh, no, you know what they're looking at? They're looking at the power he had. They're looking at the miracle-working power he had. They're looking at the anointing he walked in. They're looking at that. But let me tell you something, They ain't looking at all the stuff he went through to get that anointing and all he went through to keep that anointing. All he had to battle. Listen, there was no such thing as holding on to anything for Paul. Not only did he let everything go and count it as dung, but he never even had a wife. That's how committed he was. That's one of the things that's the biggest thing I see wrong with the Catholic Church today. And as you look down through history, as we get to looking at this, that's exactly what you're going to see. One of the biggest mistakes they ever made is this celibacy garbage. Because ain't none of them celibate. They ain't none of them celibate. Paul said, let every man have his own gift. Amen. Paul had a gift. If a man can contain himself and abstain from that, which is the strongest draw in any man's life on this earth, it's more than their breath. It's more important to them than eating. It's more important to them than breathing. Women will never understand that. It is built into a man. It is so important to men, they kill for it. That's how important it is to a man. You need to understand something. For a man not to marry or indulge in that, it's a gift. You have to have that gift. Paul said he had that gift, that he did not have to have that. He did not have to have a woman. But then you have organizations that decide to make that the doctrine where you're going to be celibate. The Bible didn't say that. Why in the world would you ever want to put something in there and put something in your bylaws that ain't got nothing to do with the Word of God? The Bible didn't say anything about that. What's that? All of them, yeah, a bunch of them had wives. Yeah. Paul said if a man cannot contain, he said if a man can contain better to be even as I. Paul's talking about himself. But if a man cannot contain, let him marry, for it's better to marry than to burn. And all these people that are doing those things in the darkness, they're hiding it from man. They're not hiding it from God. Verse 23, By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child, and they were not afraid of the king's commandments. Church, you've got to get to a place where you obey God rather than men. What's that? Now, verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Moses knew. Moses knew there was something wrong with what they were doing. There was something in him calling his name. He chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God. What does that tell you right there? That if you're people of God, you're going to suffer affliction because all the people of God do. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. So what does that mean the reproach of Christ? Yeah uh, more importantly to you, it's more important to you. So esteeming the reproach of Christ. now notice notice what notice what Paul said here, Because this is Paul wrote the book. I don't care what they say. They don't know who Paul wrote that. Notice what he said right here. (laughs) Esteeming the reproach of Christ. Really now. I didn't realize Christ was back then. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Huh. (laughs) Yes, he was back then. Esteeming the reproach of Christ. Amen. See? Jesus is God. It's the same reproach. The world was he was in the world. The world was made by him. Jesus made the world. Praise God. He's God manifest in the flesh. He's God. Esteeming the reproach of Christ more valuable what? Than the what? then the treasures in egypt what's it say next recompense he had he had respect of the recompense of the reward unto the recompense of the reward what does that mean He's saying that the reward for serving Jesus was much more valuable than all the treasures in Egypt. Amen. His eyes were on the long haul. Church, get your, eyes off the, get your eyes off the treasures of this life. Get your eyes off of winning the next little battle. Get your eyes off of having the best stuff to eat. Get your eyes off of having the best car to drive. How, listen, how long is that stuff going to last? I mean, listen, man, everything rusts in this life. Moth doth corrupt and feet break through and steal. Everything in this life is going to pass away. He even said when he was there, he said, there shall not be left one stone upon another. God was speaking of times to come, those times when when there's going to be things that come to pass such as has never been before nor ever shall be. Not one stone shall be left on another. All the things that you see today are all going to be gone at some point. Just like the riches that that man had. And he said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to tear down my barns and build me new barns so I can have a place to store all my stuff. Because i got so much stuff, I just don't know what I'm going to do with all of it. And God said, Thou fool, this very night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then, who shall those things be that thou hast laid in store? Who's going, who are they going to belong to then? Well, you know what? When I die, that's all up to my wife. She's still here. But I can tell you, if anything I got, it's in good shape. Take care of it, because I certainly did. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect under the recompense of the reward. Amen. There's a big return on investment in this deal. It may not be easy now, but buddy <laughs> the return on investment here is uh, is out of this world. Praise God. Now twenty seven By faith he forsook Egypt. Not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. What's it talking about? What? What's it say? What's it, what's it mean right here that by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible? Yes, he saw him who was invisible. He endured as seeing him who was invisible. He endured um, uh, the strife and all that he had to go through to go against the Pharaoh, the king. He endured all that as one that had seen, he was seeing the invisible God. He knew he was real. Now, he endured. He kept. He kept on his track. Listen, you can't just start this walk and quit, folks. You can't just start this place and go to a certain level. If it seems like I'm harder on you today than I was yesterday, praise God for that. Because the Bible says, "Go on under perfection." Did you think you's just going to master this thing and that's all there was to it? You just going to go so far now? You got it mastered and that's it? You're not going any further? Well, you've let go of everything you're going to let go of? No, you ain't. Oh no, you ain't. Cause the longer you in it, the more you're gonna have to lay down. Let me tell you something, church. There's a lot of people walking around with a private Isaac that they ain't willing to turn loose of. Isaac was the son of promise and he was his only begotten son. What did the Lord say when he took out, when he offered Isaac up? He said, Do thy son, no harm. Now I know, for now I know huh, that thou truly love me. And that you would hold nothing back. You would not even hold your only begotten son. It was the ultimate trial for Abraham. He passed it with flying colors. Amen. All these things in the Word of God are given to us for an example of how to live. There ain't nothing you're ever going to turn loose of that you're not going to get back a thousand times over. I mean, God's going to replace it with something a whole lot better. And His multiplicity is unbelievable. His multiplication is off the chain, buddy. When God gives you recompense reward, just like Moses. Man, and hey, huh? no, God. what God's got is a whole, lot more, a whole lot more valuable than that right there. I'm going with what God's got. There was a time when I thought in this life that this life was made up of stuff. Man, I loved stuff. I had to have stuff and more stuff. But the older you get, you know, the less important all that stuff becomes. All that stuff becomes a big liability. All that stuff just means more stuff to take care of. All that stuff just means more stuff you got to guard and keep your eyes on so somebody else don't come take your stuff. It's a lot, too, trying to take care of stuff in this life, isn't it? It takes a lot of our time. So I'd say it's kind of a valuable thing to not have a bunch of stuff in it. Because it don't take up a bunch of your time then, right? Verse 28, Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. Church, Do you realize that my job in this church is a whole lot like Moses' job was with the people of Israel? In that my job as the leader of this flock is to make certain that the doorpost of your lives and the doorpost of this church is covered with that sprinkling of blood. That Jesus and His blood are on the doorposts of this church and every facet of it. So that when that death angel passes by this place, He doesn't take anyone with Him when He comes through here i do my best to keep this place sprinkled in blood, but you know you have a part to play as well. Because it's up to you to keep your personal life covered in blood. It's up to each one of you to make certain that your posts at your house are covered in the blood. Because that death angel is going to come through. And the death doesn't mean it's going to happen right now. It can be somewhere down the road, but you know what? If they can get them outside of the covenant, if they're called outside of this covenant, then that means the death angel can take them. Let me tell you something, folks. You're responsible for the doorposts of your house. What goes on in your house, what goes on in your gates, God's watching it. He's watching it. It's on you, even the stranger that's within thy gates. It's on you. Why? Because God's looking at you. He's not looking at them. Now, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land which the Egyptians are saying to do, were drowned. Let me tell you something, folks. The way through this life is only for those in covenant. And you're not ever going to climb up any other way. There's only one way to God, and this is the way right here. There ain't but one way. You're not going to climb up any other way. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. That's it. God makes a way for His people. His people. Now, by faith, verse 30, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. Amen. By faith, by the Word of God. God declared it. Amen. God declared it, and it happened exactly like He said it would. They did it exactly like the Lord spoke and told them to do it, and so they stood out on their faith. They walked out on their faith. They compassed it seven days just exactly like the Lord said to do it. They did it in faith. They did exactly what He said to do, and exactly what He said was going to happen, happened. Amen. By faith, the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. Amen. She knew. She knew. She was already having a change of heart before the spies ever got there. Because when they got there, she started telling them already, everybody's heart melts in this place because of you. For it's been noised abroad (laughs) how that your God delivered you out of Egypt your God parted the Red Sea and you came through on dry ground and then Pharaoh's army came in behind you and it swallowed them up and drowned all them it's been noised abroad about your God. Everybody melts because of the people of Israel. Honey, it wasn't the people of Israel that melted them. It was the fact that they had a God that really did something. It was a fact because they had a God that was showing His mighty power. Buddy, let me tell you something. When somebody's God opens a river up and you go through on dry ground and drowns all your enemies right behind you, uh, you know what, Uh, uh what's his name? Because I need to be following that God. Rahab had already realized it don't matter who they come up against. It does not matter how fortified this place is. She knew. She knew. There ain't nothing we got here going to hold back your God. (laughs) I just want to be on the right side. I just want to be on the right side. (laughs) Praise God. So Rahab... Helped them. Helped them and said, listen, I'm going to help you out, but uh, if I do this, how about you save me alive? And they said, okay. Hold nothing back. I want to know it all. And don't you turn back. And then he told them, let me tell you what, you better be in one spot when we come. And you better put that scarlet ribbon out there because if I don't see it, now what does that remind you of? That's right. If I don't see it, everybody in your house is going to die. If your father or anybody's caught outside of that doorpost, hear me, Ooh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Anybody's caught outside that doorpost, huh, honey, it ain't going to go good for them. I'm going to cut them asunder because they're not covered by that blood. If there was ever a time... Now, she had to go to her daddy. Don't you know her daddy was probably upset with her? What are you doing fraternizing fraternizing with these people out here? They're our enemies. Well, he had also heard, too, I'm sure, that, huh, Yeah, but their are God, Dad. They're God. The God of Israel is coming. And nothing can stand. The Pharaoh and all his All his soldiers were no match. God killed them all. And they didn't have to lift a finger. God opened the sea for his people. You think this little wall is going to stop him? I want to make sure I'm on that side. Do you want to live or die? Make your choice. Can you hear me now? Do you want to live or die? Make your choice. He had to make a quick choice. Only had seven days. Do you think she went over and kind of broke it to him softly, or do you think she kind of let him have it and say, "Look, Dad, I'm just telling you, take it or leave it. You can either get in here under this red, red scarlet ribbon, or you can." You can go on about your business, but uh, you ain't opening my door. Once this stuff starts, my door's shut, and it ain't gonna open again <laughs> because, but it's coming. We know the rest of the story. They were all in that room, and they were all spared alive because they came in under that scarlet thread. Praise God. Amen. Now, Rahab. Was a hero. Rahab lied. How about them apples? Yeah. All liars shall have their place in the lake of fire. Bible said that. But you know what? They were deceptive to protect the people of God. They protected God. And his people. Now, and what shall I more say? I love this. What shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, and of Barak, and of Samson, and of Jephthah, of David also, and Samuel, and of the prophets. Who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong. Praise God. I'm going to tell you, church, everyone that's ever been strong in God started out weak waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead rays to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, Yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with a sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. Listen here. Of whom the world was not worthy. The world was not worthy to even know these people or to have ever had any contact with these people. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. Now catch this. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not. The promise. Huh. They didn't receive it in their lifetime. God having provided some better thing for us that they without us should not be made perfect. That they without us, those that are not part of us, those that were in a different covenant, even all the things that they did still never got to be in a covenant like we have. They still had to go through all these things that they had to do and they still didn't receive the promise. They still never received a promised land. How many times have you seen the miracles and blessings of God in your life? We have a better covenant. We have a new covenant, a better covenant. If there was no need for a better covenant, the old one would not be done away with. But there was a need for a better covenant, praise God. And we have a better covenant. We're in that better covenant. They without us should not be made perfect. Amen. They were not ever made complete. God completes us in this covenant. It's not by happenstance. It doesn't just happen because Jesus went to Calvary. When you do everything that you can, that will always bring you to completion. Because he's everything else that you're not. And he's already done everything. See, each person is different. Each person has a different has a different job. Each person has a different level of understanding. A different level of this, a different level of that. Different talents according to their several ability. So the place that the place that God picks up and takes it to the house for each person is different. With one person, his measure may come this far, because that's the end of the person he's talking about. But maybe the next person has a whole lot more that they can do, so his mercy only comes this far. His fulfillment only comes this far because that man's going to have to give all he's got just like the widow with, with two mites that make a farthing and the and the richest man alive. Amen. Either way, it's going to take all you got. It's going to take all you've got. And let me tell you something. Just like with money, it's always the ones that have the most to give that have the biggest problem with it. That's a fact. Somebody has $10 million, have a hard time giving a million bucks. Then they start thinking, well, I don't, that guy ain't worth no million dollars. But you know what? The little lady ain't got the two, two mites, she just gave all the two mites. All she had. You know the ones I had the biggest problem getting money out of in business? The ones with the most money. But you do a little job for some woman or some little old lady or something like that somewhere. If she didn't have the money, she'd never called you. She wants to pay you. I mean, she wants to pay you and give you a glass of lemonade on top of it. In a sandwich or something else, anything else they can do. That's the way it is. You know what? God, if God's his his place stops with each person at a specific place. Why? Because he knows your several ability. He knows exactly where you can come to, and that's where you're going to have to meet him at. He's not putting an extra portion in for you. He's going to meet you right where you end. You're going to have to meet Him right where He begins. He begins where you end. Stand with me.